Hey, welcome back to another episode of Smoke Signal. So, hope everybody is uh, doing well and everyone's healthy, and we're glad you're back and listening. Uh, I'm Justin Latta, joined by Willie Hood for another regular episode. Uh, Willie, how you doing? Doing well, Justin. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back on. We haven't uh, we did a podcast what last week, two weeks ago. I'm I'm losing my mind at this point. Last week. I think was it Thursday, last week? Last week. Okay, so it looks like we're we're keeping on a, a weekly trajectory somehow, with not a whole ton to talk about. But I'm I'm getting to the point of isolation and uh, being out of full time work, where I'm losing track of some of the days, trying not to. <laughs> they all blur together after a while. They do, for better and for worse, in, in some cases. <laughs> so uh, some of the stuff we haven't really, uh, we'll just dress right at the top of the bat. The new site's live. Um, Indians baseball insider.com go and check it out. We've got lots of free content up there. The 2020 Indians preview series, um, is all moved over there. That's all free for everyone to read. Uh, the first five prospect, um, scouting reports are all open for anybody to read. And so are number 49 and 50, um, for whatever reason, one, because it was Mitch Longo. I think we wanted everyone in Ohio to be able to read that much Longo. And then, yeah. uh, the rest of them are, insider content so there is a little button in the right hand corner when you go to the homepage of the website so sign up um we are doing premium content at the new site uh it's going to be this just like it was before it's going to be most of the prospect profiles uh the scouting reports it's going to be diamonds in the rough um prospect spotlights and then of course my league game coverage whenever that starts um but we do have some other stuff planned in the meantime we have draft stuff that's going to come um just a lot of other ideas we're kicking around and whenever there is baseball again, you'll have the same premium content. So make sure you click on that sign up. Um, it's cheaper than it was over at 24 seven sports. We have the options to do whatever we want as far as subscription plans, whether you want to do three months, a month, a year, we have uh, opportunities to provide discounts and deals and all that kind of stuff. We're going to try different things out. So um, also if you were a subscriber at the old site, and you paid a year already for the 2020 year, please uh, go to the contact us page and get a hold of myself or Tony so we can set you up with an account on the new site. Because if you paid 24-7 sports for a 2020 subscription to IBI, uh, we are going to honor that and you're going to get uh, premium content for the rest of the year. So make sure you reach out to us. Uh, that's all I got for housekeeping. We can uh, address some stuff other or later in the show, but... I guess the, the first really bit of news to talk about is that weird leaked plan I, and Major League Baseball, of course, is denying it, which I expect them to, that there was some sort of plan in place to have games in Arizona to start the year. And that would be starting in May, potentially. And they would play at spring training complexes or the Diamondbacks chase field uh, to me. I don't see it being feasible without testing and the players would be quarantined from their families uh, for months in Arizona. Their families wouldn't be able to come with them. And it's really hot in Arizona. You can't play at spring training complexes. I guess they could do night games, but there's logistics with who can play where, when can they play and TV deals. It just seems like a logistical nightmare. What do you, what did you, what were your thoughts when you saw some of these details? Well, there's, there's obviously limits. Uh, my understanding there's, 
10 fields that they're looking at, 10 minor league complexes, and then Chase Field, which I believe is the home of the Diamondbacks. Um, I wonder if they could incorporate maybe some local stadiums as well, like uh, Arizona State. I'm not quite sure where they're lo located. Um, Arizona University, maybe uh, Grand Canyon University. Perhaps they can add and, and get in on those fields as well, so they'll have possibly some more options. Um, my first thought is, how are all these players going to handle that uh, heat out, out in Arizona in the summertime because we're looking probably June or July and it's going to be over 100 degrees every day. I know it starts midday and it goes into the evening. Um, you know, I, I th thought, well, maybe, you know, if they, they make sure they've got plenty of drinks, a lot of fans, uh, but they've also talked about seating the players up in the stands too, which I thought was interesting to social distance the players from one another, which which I, I never, you know, I never even thought of that. I thought, well, they're all going to be grouped together in the clubhouse or, or down in the, on the bench together. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. Um, but it, it does sound like to be a logistical nightmare. The thing is, is it's going to limit travel. Um, looks like some of the clubs in Asia are getting ready to start back soon from my understanding. And I, I thought it was interesting because some of them, instead of having fans out there, are going to have robot fans. Um, <laughs> uh, I believe that's one of the Korean teams. Can't the, get robot umps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we'll get the robot umps, and I'm not quite sure uh, how I feel about that at this point. They, they seem yeah. a little inaccurate at times. I'll just put it that way. Uh, <clears throat> but the blazing heat out there, you mentioned the players being tested. MLB and the teams are going to have to test players on a regular basis. What if a player gets exposed, quarantined? Uh, you're you're looking at expanded rosters, so that would be a benefit. But what what is the quality of play we're going to see? And I'm thinking there's a potential for double headers or double headers at the at the fields. So probably a morning game. Say the Indians play in the morning, the Reds play in the evening, and they'll pro probably rotate or something if this ever takes takes hold and gets off the ground. Um, but that's one thing I think would be the option would be to do an early morning game before it gets too hot and then get one in in the evening and then just kind of rotate the two teams, um, assuming Cleveland and Cincinnati would be paired since they do use the same spring training home. But it's definitely going to throw a lot of teams off. What does this mean for the players and their families, though? You know, they'd be quarantined for four, four and a half months, and then bus drivers, coaches – all of the all the folks that are involved, you know, how many folks are going to be quarantined there, or or have a self-imposed quarantine? So we're relying upon them to to maintain distance from their family and and from other people, for that matter. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe it gets into the summer, and with the heat, I I hear that heat and sunlight um, is effective in. Uh, knocking this down, knocking the coronavirus down. So maybe that will play a, a part in this as well. You know, maybe Arizona doesn't see the, the spike that some of these other states have around the nation. Yeah, I haven't really looked at the, the numbers there as much. Like you said, I just don't see – I don't see how they can play double headers there. It gets so hot in Arizona, and you can't play double headers at the spring training complexes. You can't play during the day in May and June out there. It's not – Number one, it's going to be too warm, but that's, I don't think that's the worst of the problem. I think it's just logistically going to be too hard to keep players apart. And 
we're already there's already so many testing issues you know throughout the rest of the u.s i don't know if you can fairly test the way that i think would be the right way to do it and, and with players out in arizona when you have the rest of the country you know not being able to be tested so i i just i have a hard time thinking that logistically they're going to make that all work um you know, on top of others, I don't, I don't think a lot of players are going to want to. I don't think a lot of players either are going to want to go to Arizona and play and be away from their families for you know two, three months, however long it's going to be out there. And especially um, if, if they have, are forced to play the whole season out there, in addition to the heat. So I just, I just think there's too many things that are are stacked in the deck that that just don't make it feasible for this plan to work. But of course, Major League Baseball is denying this, but which makes sense. What was it they had? Electronic strike zone, seven inning double headers, no mound visits, on field mics. I mean, on TV that's fine, but like TV crews, I don't know. It's just this. How are you going to get players to, to? Oh yeah, like you said, players sitting in the stands six feet apart. I know the whole thing just seems really too forced, and I can't imagine how they're going to make that all come together. But if they do, that's great. I just hope everyone's. Safety comes first, but we'll see. Where there's a will, there's a way, I suppose, as they say. Um, definitely concerns. And then, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the TV deals that are in place too. How does this, how does this partake with those, or, or how does this align with those? Um, I'm, I'm curious how, uh, you know, the Yankees network would, would take, uh, or where they would stand with with that and and there was also the idea thrown out that potentially all the teams would have to actually revenue share to to uh get other teams to to this deal so that might mean that the indians receive some of that money that the cubs the yankees the dodgers and some of these other clubs get um the play i've always thought you know that that's one of the major issues in baseball and i don't want to get off track there but if that's a possibility for for this to take place i think it's something that will have to be examined too because clubs aren't going to be making the um ticket sales they're not going to be generating revenue from concessions uh from jersey sales and stuff unless folks go online uh well we have the time to do that right now anyways or i do (laughs) um and um you know I, i just think the whole plan it's it's sketchy i'm curious how it'll play out I know they've supposedly talked with some health issue or with some health folks uh, about this, but I I don't know um, if it's actually feasible or not. I, I have a lot of questions at this point. Yeah, look, I, I want sports back. I want baseball back, even if it's just on TV and we can't go to games. I'd like to, I'm sure we'd all like to have sports to watch as a distraction while the rest of this gets figured out, but. Um, you know, you've got to think about their health too and their families. And I just don't up front. I just don't think if the testing is, there's too much of a testing issue throughout the rest of the country. You can't, you can't allocate testing just to athletes to play sports, just so everybody else sitting at home can feel better. You have to think about the greater good and all this too. But um, I did see there was a, a doctor in LA yesterday that, that did some, did a media tour or something. There was articles um, that he didn't think sports would be back until uh, Thanksgiving at the earliest. So 
it, it, it ranges everywhere, but I, I, they, I think the, the, the important thing is baseball just has to have contingency plans for start certain start dates. Like when they're given the okay to start, I think you have to look at just, just look at different dates and see how things could work out from there. And, and if this is part of it, that's fine. Um, but I mean, here on April 9th, I don't see how that plan is going to work uh, unless something changes and they know something we don't, which maybe they do. I don't know. But it's important for them to have contingency plans in place for playing on May 4th, playing on June 4th, playing on July 4th, um, anything past July. I don't know what, how they're going to make it work, but um, you know, maybe they have some information we don't have. I know they did have that whole big call a few weeks ago or a couple of days ago, but um this plan, just looking at it right now, seems like it wouldn't work unless things change dramatically between now and May. So I guess all we can really do is sit here and watch how things unfold and hope for the best. But uh, that's all I have. <laughs> I really don't want to talk too much about how this is affecting everything because I'm sure people are sick of it. Yeah, yeah I think everyone's getting, the other... getting tired and worn and uh, been closed in long enough and don't need to hear about it anymore or be reminded about it then. It's exciting to talk about um, thinking about baseball getting back. Uh, I saw somebody the other day, and I can't even remember who who said this, but you know, it'd be great if they could play games in Arizona, Alaska, or Hawaii. Hawaii, even uh, they just don't care. They just want baseball back. And, and I, I get the sentiment. I agree. Uh, public health and oh, safety, player health and safety, and their families definitely comes first. Um, I was thinking, you know, what if what if uh, they started in August and the they had three months of a season. You're talking about 80 games there potentially um, getting into October in October uh, or August, September, October, you know, and, and you cover those three months. Uh, maybe the Indians would have to play some games out on the West coast or, or something um, or play in neutral sites, uh, even assuming, you know, that was even feasible, you know, um, if, if this Arizona plan doesn't work out right away. But I, I think that baseball is looking for creative options to play some sort of season this year. Uh, I can see why. Players want to play. They want to make money. They want to – owners want the, the players out there because they're paying some of these guys some, some pretty good money to, to not play right now. And then you're also dealing with service time issues. So – Yeah, I, I just really hope for the uh, the pl- not the players, the uh, broadcasters' sake too, because a lot of these people who work on network TV networks are paid by the game too. So you have to worry about like yeah. you know, our, especially you know, just looking at our guys, Matt Underwood, Rick Manning, uh, Andre Nod, and and uh, Jensen Lewis, Al Pulowski, and um, I don't know how Jim Rosenhouse and, and Tom Hamilton are paid, but you know, you do worry about them as well. But and you have to worry about their safety too. If you're asking them to go out there and, and broadcast these games and they're going to be away from their families too. So there's just so many components that go into it that, you know, I'm glad, I, I'm glad it's not me having to work it out. I'm sure they're working with more information than we have, but um, it, it just sounds really difficult, but yeah, you mentioned the service time issue thing too. And, and that's what we had next to talk about was uh, before the rosters were frozen a couple weeks ago, uh, James Karinchak, Zach Plesek, and Aaron Savali were all sent to AAA, and we were all just assuming it was service time manipulation. And um, I think they knew rosters were going to be frozen soon, you know, based on probably talks they had that they were going to have to make a decision on something that soon. But at the time they did that, rosters were still open to be making moves, and 
if this was a regular season and things were normal, those guys would have been on the roster. So this was pretty obvious. Um, if it wasn't service time, it was financially motivated because uh, they get paid less for being in AAA than they do on the major league roster. So it's kind of a cost cutting move in that sense. And um, Trevor Bauer had no problem retweeting saying that and, and good for Trevor Bauer because he's probably right. And uh, every day it goes on, Trevor Bauer seems to be the best uh, commissioner for baseball. That's not a commissioner right now. Absolutely. He, he is becoming a voice for, for baseball. I think for the better, um, a lot of creativity on his part, the content that he's putting out is quality stuff. He's definitely been uh, a game changer for major league, league baseball. And for that matter, he's an entertainer in, in a lot of ways, uh, just his personality, whether you like him or hate him, you know, I, I, I enjoy him. Um, but I think that he really brought out a great point there about the, the payroll or the service time manipulation by the tribe. You know, you can say, well, police act may not have made the team. We don't know at this point. Uh, Savali, I think he got a late start to spring. And in Karinchak, I guess he needed to go back down to AAA to uh, work on his pickoff move or something, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, to me, two of the three guys were probably going to be on the team. One was probably going to be out, maybe Plesak or Savali. Who knows at this point? Um, and that's assuming Carrasco was going to be back. And, and you know, there's a lot, a lot of – uh, guessing going on there, but we don't know. I'm assuming that the tribe did this because they're losing service time with a with a, a lot of talent. So you have Lindor who's accruing service time, uh, Oscar Mercado, Franmil Reyes, um, Jose Ramirez, Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger, all of these guys, the core, the core of this team is accruing service time and they're not playing games. So if the Indians can take some guys and stash them in the minor leagues um, and, and hold them longer or keep control of them longer. I understand what and why they're doing it because they're losing control. They're losing time that some of their core is going to be uh, with the team. So I, I think it is service time manipulation, but I also understand that component and I understand how important that is for a small market team like the tribe that is dependent upon player development, you know, and they've developed these young guys. They've put this team together with the hopes of building a, a winning team long-term. And then all of a sudden you have a, a crisis situation that kind of wipes out the, the time that you thought you were going to get from them. Yeah. I, I didn't think of that too, because I did for, I did slip my mind. We were talking about this when we planned to talk about it. Those that players are accruing, a year of service time, no matter what happens the rest of the year. So Francisco Lindor will be a pending free agent for 2021. And anybody on the 25 or 26 man roster um, gets a full year of service, whether there's a season or not. So you're right. So by sending Sabali, please second Karinczak to AAA, um, they do not get to accrue, accrue major league service time. So they are delaying their free agency, even though they've already made the major league debut. So that's a good point. They basically um, burn an option on those guys. Um, you know, how long do they keep them down before yeah. they get the extra year out of them? That's that's my thing. How many days of service time do they need? So I, I'm guessing it, if there is a season that it, it won't be long that they need to keep them down. And assuming everything's going to end up prorated too, you know, so who knows at this point. But it, it seems to me that they're thinking long-term who we're going to be able to control. And these guys were 
Uh, I guess you could say there were some questions there. I mean, as I said, Brinchek needs to work on his pickoff move. <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose. Um, or or he needs to work on fielding grounders or something. I'm not quite sure. I, I know he does a heck of a job striking people out with that elevated fastball and then dropping that curveball in there on him. So, um, but yeah, everybody on base from pickoff. <laughs> what's that? I said, there's never been anybody on base for him to pick off. So exactly. it's irrelevant. Anyway. Yeah, he's striking everybody out. So uh, if they are on base, it's because he walked them and then he strikes the, strikes the next guy out. So it doesn't even matter. You know, he eliminates the problem that way, slams the door. And, uh, you know, he's a favorite of uh, the pitching ninja, you know. So I've seen a lot of his uh, his stuff on there. Yeah, and he's featured Brinchak several times. You know what I think we need to do? I think we need to ask either the video people from Akron or Columbus to see if we can find video of uh, Karen Shack throwing over to first um, in the minors and give it to Rob to retweet. So we, we can prove that he is not John Lester and he can throw to first base. Cause that's when you were saying, that's what I was thinking. I said, well, as long as he's not John Lester and he's not afraid to throw to first base, who cares? Cause like you said, it'll strike the next three guys out, but maybe if we can get some video uh, that exists of him throwing over to first base, we can have Rob for or have pitching ninja retweet it. So, everybody is aware that James Karinchak can indeed throw over to first base. It does have a pick, a normal pickoff move and he is not John Lester. That would be uh, hilarious if we could, if we could come up with something, um, you know, every time I've seen him, there I, hasn't been base runners. And if there was, right he's walked him on base and then struck out the next guy. So. I have, I have a, a subscription carrying over from last year. I get MILB TV every year, obviously. Um, and that's, it's carrying over this year for the 2019 video, uh, until the 2020 season starts. So I have plenty of time to go back through the archives and watch games that he pitched in to see if he did throw over to first. So, uh, I can, I can spearhead that project. No problem. <laughs> I have a subscription as well. And, uh, time and, and I've been now. enjoying getting the go back and look at a few games, uh, over the course of the season. Uh, definitely recommend it for folks. Check it out. It's free right now. Um, there's a lot of free trials and stuff out there. So definitely check out the uh, MLB.tv. As I said, they've got a free trial right now. You can go back and watch a lot of the games and see a lot of these young kids that are going to be pushing their way to Cleveland. Yeah, and it's really, I mean, it's going to help us with our coverage as well. It's, we're going to go back and do some of that stuff. So I'm looking forward to digging into more of that. You know, even if I wish I had less time in my hands, that's okay. Um, we did. I I did. I don't know when you wrote yours down. I know you wrote yours down. I put mine into a document. Uh, I think I tweeted mine. I want to say the day before opening day or the day of opening day. Uh, I tweeted my my 2020 predictions. I put my 2020 predictions together uh, back in February, right after camp had opened, and there were just about to be games. Uh, so I haven't changed mine. Uh, how do you want to start this? Do you want to? Go division by division. I, do you want to do division winners? Do you want to do – I have mine written down in order, and I have MVPs I and have, everything. I uh, have all of the divisions, top to bottom, and then I have – uh, gee whiz, I can't talk. I have the MVP, Cy Young, and the Rookie of the Year, and I even picked the World Series winner. Okay. Uh, let's start with the AL East. Give me your, give me your AL East uh, division order if – you know, the way you had it written out before this all got frozen and uh, we had no season. I wrote mine down about a month ago, um, which was just a couple of days 
after they froze the uh, or they sent players home from spring training. And I've got the AL East. I've got the Yankees taking first place, the Rays in a very close second. I think they'll be a wild card team. Uh, I have the Red Sox in third place, the Jays, and then the Orioles as the uh, bottom of the division there. That is the exact order minor, and I have Yankees, Rays. Actually, I have the Blue Jays in third place. I had the Red Sox in fourth just because I didn't think their pitching was going to be very good. And then this was actually before Chris Sale had Tommy John, too. So I, I was thinking about um, that, looking over this before we got on here, just talking uh, before we started. Um, you know, I got to thinking, man, they lost Sale and they lost Price. That's a lot of innings from that. Uh, that might not be a very good projection or uh, prediction for me. Um, I, I do think the player, the Jays have a lot of players that are up and coming. So, you know, I, I definitely think the top two teams in that division are going to be the Yankees and the Braves, though. Yeah, that was an easy pick for sure. I, I just thought Toronto's pitching staff was going to be a little better than a year ago. And then obviously they made some other additions too. So I thought they were going to, I mean, just because Baltimore and uh, the Red Sox are going to be so bad. The Red Sox maybe more a 500 team, but not bad. The Orioles obviously are probably a 100-loss team, or they were going to be. So that's why I had the Blue Jays in third. Uh, how about NL East? NL East, I have the Braves taking the division with the Nationals coming in a close second, and then the Phils. Um, Philadelphia finishing in third, okay. and the Mets, and then the Marlins in the bottom of the division over there. I had Braves, Phillies, Mets, Nationals, Marlins, which – the Marlins were an easy last place team. I thought the Braves pitching staff was even, you know, even that's un, maybe unfair to the Marlins. It's a tough division, but you know, the Marlins have a more interesting team than you think they had, you know, they had Jorge Alfaro. They added Corey Dickerson. They added Jesus Aguilar. They added Jonathan VR. Uh, their pitching staff has a couple interesting young arms. So they're, even though they're definitely going to be, they would definitely be a last place team in that division. Uh, they're not, you know, horrible. They're they have some interesting players on that team, so maybe that yeah. was a little unfair. Yeah, I think the Marlins are a year or two away from really competing in that division again. Uh, a lot of young players. I, I can't remember the name of the uh, staff base, Sa- Sandy Alcantara or something like that. Um, but and then you have mm-hmm. the lefty Caleb Smith that had rumors that the Indians were trying to get last year at the trade deadline. Um, Brian Anderson, the uh, the guy that injured Corey Kluber. That's how I know him. So he's the one that line drive the line drive the ball uh, off of Kluber's arm, if I remember right. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of young talent with the Marlins. I like what they've done. They've taken some risk um, getting Villar, who is a player that I would had hoped that the Indians would bring in and, and fit in somewhere uh, just because of the bat and the mm-hmm. offensive potential. Right. Uh, Jesus Aguilar, um, Definitely think that that was a good pickup for them. If, uh, you know, if this was a full season, I thought he had potential to hit 20, 30 home runs with them again, you know. Um, but definitely a nice, uh, mm-hmm. nice pickup and, and a lower tier type of pickup. You know, they didn't have to lot, spend a lot of money to get him. They did. The Nationals, I thought, didn't do enough in the offseason. They're going to put, or they were going to put Carter Keboom and Azurba Cabrera at third base. Um, 
I didn't think that was enough to replace. Obviously, now as a superstar, he's hard to replace. Um, and I was a little concerned about Max Scherzer's back too, because that was an issue in the playoffs. So who knows how that would have played out? Um, I still kind of like the Mets a little bit, but you know they were. It, it's still the Mets, so I couldn't put them in second place. The Phillies adding Zach Wheeler to me uh, solidified their pitching staff a little bit and put them in second place. And then the Braves just had the best pitching and. I know they lost Josh Donaldson, but they did add Marcel Ozuna, who I thought was going to have a good year. So that seemed to be an easy pick. I want to leave the AL Central for last, obviously. So let's go to the NL Central and the NL West, and then we'll go AL West and AL Central. So who do you have in the NL Central? How do you have that stack? I have stacking the Cardinals up? taking the division with the Cubs coming in second, a, a very close second at that. And then the Brewers, uh, I'm interested in the Brewers offseason. I know they made a lot of changes there. Uh, I know Chris Yelich, uh, Christian Yelich is going to perform when, when he's out there, definitely an NL MVP type of candidate, but I, I don't know. I just don't know if they've got the whole team. Uh, I had the Reds coming in fourth place and what I think would be a very tight division. I think you got four teams right there that could win 80, 80 games or more. Um, and then the pirates coming in last and they're fully in rebuild mode, I think right now. So, uh, having traded away as Carlin Marte, I, I think that they're looking forward to the future. I would say last place in all these divisions were the easiest thing to predict, were, sadly. Yeah. Um, but we, we're, we're kind of – the NL Central, is to me, is the most interesting – it was the most interesting division going into 2020. You know, we'll see what happens. But we were kind of different. I actually had the Reds winning the division. I liked their pitching staff so much. I, it was hard for me to pick them – anywhere lower just because I thought they had the best pitching in the division. I mean, I like, I like Jack Flaherty. I like my, I like, um, miles Mikolas and Adam Wainwright still hanging around and, uh, Dakota Hudson. Those guys are good for the Cardinals, but the Reds pitching staff to me was way better. And the Cardinals also lost Marcel Ozuna and didn't really replace him with the hitter. And then the Cubs pitching staff just continues to age. They didn't really add anybody this winter and, I don't know that the whole vibe there just seems weird to me. I had the Brewers in fourth and that was the hardest thing for me because I really like the Brewers, but um, I don't know. I, I just think losing as maybe I should have had them higher. I think this was actually unfair to the Brewers. I just don't like their pitching right now. I don't like where their starting pitching is at. Their bullpen's fine. You know, Hader was a little bit not as good as he was in 2018 last year. Uh, Corey Knievel still coming back. They lost Jeremy Jeffress, although they had released him anyway. But I, I don't know. I just didn't see them adding enough pitching wise. So maybe the Cubs were just a slightly, slightly better than them. But I don't know. I, I think I could have gone. I like the Reds the best in that division, but I could have like two through four. I think I could have gone any order. Like if you would have said, you know, Cubs second, Brewers second, Cardinals second, I could have agreed with any of those. Obviously not the Pirates. Uh, that was a hard division to pick, though, but I thought, for me, the Reds was an easy pick just because how good their pitching is, and then they added Nick Castellanos, and they added um, Mike Moustakis. Their lineup's just so good, too. I think they'll put up softball scores. Um, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just not sold on the Reds, and, and it just feels like with players playing out of position, Moustakis playing out of position, not knowing where Senzel's going to end up. Um, I, I had a lot of questions there, but I definitely think they – they, like the Twins, will be able to score a lot of runs. Um, that was the hardest division to me to pick. 
I just think you have the Cardinals, the Cubs, Brewers, and, and Reds. As I said, I think they're all 80, 80 wins or more. But the thing is, that's going to be a dogfight if, if it's a regular season. Um, if it was 162 games, I think you're, you're talking a bunch of teams. And to me, probably the best team wins 86 or 88 games. And I don't think anybody sniffs 90 games in that division. Just because they're going to knock each other off so much. Um, they're going to they're gonna hold each other back as far as wins go. Um, other than the pirates. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It could, it could, it could have played out that way for sure. Just because of how good, even, I mean, not necessarily good, but how competitive each team was going to be. I mean, they had the most amount of teams in their div- division, any division that was trying to win in 2020, I would think uh, at least try to actively win. The NL West was, I thought was super easy. I have Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Padres, Rockies, and Giants. The Rockies, I could have bumped up a little bit. The Diamondbacks getting Madison Bumgarner, even though I think he's seen better days. I still thought getting Stelly Marte, moving Kettle Marte back to the infield, uh, and then adding, adding Bumgarner, I thought they were an easy second-place call. And, of course, the Dodgers would have been, you know, an easy first place. Who did you have in that division? I had the exact same order as you. I had the Dodgers in first, the Diamondbacks, Padres, Rockies, and then Giants. And, you know, I think – this year was possibly the year of the Dodgers in the NL. Um, I completely agree with what you said about Madison Baumgartner. I, I think, you know, he's seen better days, but I still think he's a solid lefty and having solid lefties out there on the mound matters. Uh, the Rockies are an upcoming team and I'm not quite sure which direction the Ro- or, or the Padres are an upcoming team and, and I'm not sure which direction the Rockies are going to go. Um, it, the Giants, <laughs> I think they have a long way to get back to what, what they once were several years ago. They do, but they have some interesting players in their system. Yeah. I was really looking forward to seeing how their system played out this year. Hopefully, we'll still get a chance to see it. Uh, my NL wildcard teams were the Cardinals and Diamondbacks. What were yours? The, the Could you say the Cardinals and the Diamondbacks? Um, yeah. So I had Washington, and then I have the Diamondbacks as well. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's up in the I, – I, mean, I had the Nationals fall into fourth place, but I think the East could have gone anyway, any number of ways behind the Braves as well. So I could see that. The Cardinals, to me, were the – I don't know. That's, it would have been difficult now that I think about it. I mean, I don't, I don't like the Diamondbacks more than the Cardinals, but like you were saying, the, the NL Central, just there's so many teams that are going to be fighting for wins that it's going to be hard to see any of them get – anywhere past 90 because of, there's a lot of disparity besides the pirates. That would have been tough. Yeah, I just think that's such an uh, level division there with those top four teams other than the pirates. Um, I, I think you could put them in any order and say, this team's going to win that division and pro- possibly be right. Because like I said, I think there's four clubs there that win 80 or more games. And to me, that's a, a dog fight down to the end and, and makes for an interesting situation, but it also keeps some of these teams out that could potentially that I think are probably better than like the Diamondbacks, as you said, I definitely think the Brewers have a chance of being right. the Cubs. Maybe um, depends on how their offense goes. And as you said, they've got some pitchers that are getting older. So um, I do we get to see that. Cause I think that would have been a really fun division to watch. Yeah, I've got friends that, uh, are, that are Reds fans and they were very excited for this year, wanting to see the impact Trevor Bauer would have for them. And, and I'm definitely watching that. Definitely a fan of Trevor and I still follow him. Uh, even after he was traded to the Reds. Uh, uh, I was hoping to see 
them fight it out. But as I said, I, I think that division is just so tight. Um, uh, back to the, the wildcard teams, the other one, the Nationals, I, I don't like what they were doing at third base with Cabrera and Carter Kaboom. And I really like Carter Kaboom as a prospect, but I, I just don't see that as uh, something that they were going to hold for the entire season. And that's something I tried to incorporate in, in my projections or, or my predictions rather uh, is what do I think teams will end up doing? Will they make a, a big ad at the trade deadline and, and how prone are these teams to do that? And I think Washington would definitely make a big addition at the trade deadline to, to solve what I think could be a potential um, problem there at third base. Yeah. Uh, let's move over to the AL West. How did you have the AL have West the, finishing? Um, athletics in first place, the Astros, the Rangers and Angels in a, in a very tight third and fourth, and then the Mariners in last. And uh, I, I think I think that a, is a lot for the Astros is going to be distractions. Um, how would the players respond to the fans, uh, especially on the road? Well, if they're going to play in Arizona without fans, this really benefits the Astros, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And the running out umpires can't be biased either. Can we can we get some robot fans from South Korea to come into Astros games and have program the robot fans to heckle the Astros? I saw pictures of them posted online, and some of the fans looked happy, and the other ones looked angry. So maybe we can get a whole bunch of the angry ones over. <laughs> <laughs> We'll give them Decepticons or something. I'm I'm really surprised that you had the a- Athletics in first. I have the Athletics in first too, and I thought I was going to have a lot of weird reaction to that because to me the Athletics pitching staff is really interesting, and I like their young players. They have a lot of good young hitters. Marcus Semyon took a big step forward last year for them. I love Ramon Laureano. I think he's a real up and coming star in center field. Matt Olson and Matt Chapman are MVP candidates or are dark horse, I should say, because nobody is in the non Mike Trout division, I guess. Um, their bullpen's still good. I love AJ Puck. I love Frankie Montas. I love Hayes Lazardo. So I thought it was kind of a, I don't know, I thought it was an off the wall pick a little bit, but their roster's so good. I, I just said, you know what? I think they're good enough to win the division. They may not, but I think they're good enough to. And like you, I agree with the Astros, the distractions. Um, as much as I want to believe in Mickey Callaway turning the Angels pitching staff around, I just I think there's a lot of guys they're counting on that have seen better days. It's going to be hard for him to get everything out of Dylan Bundy and Julio Tehran and uh, the rest of those mediocre pitchers they have over there. I, I was hoping they'd give them a little bit better players to work with, but they do have Otani and they do have Griffin Canning, although he was hurt before all this, so we'll see how that would have played out. And then I wanted to put the Rangers higher. You know, I do – I think Corey Kluber is going to be better than he was uh, – well, than he was showing to be last year. And I still like the rest of the pitching staff, but they, they felt like they were maybe a hitter short, hitter or two short. And then, you know, the Mariners, like I said, every, everywhere was an easy last-place pick for the West or for any any division, really. Yeah, I agree with you. The The easiest pick in every single division was those, those last-place teams. I mean, it, it just seems like those six teams – the Marlins, the Pirates, the Giants, the Orioles, the Tigers, and the Mariners. Those six teams were the, the easiest to just slot in last place. You could almost do that first and, and then work from there. Um, the, those 
the last few years have been the teams picking the highest in the draft, it seems to, you know, so that it just kind of says where they're at. Um, as an organization right now, you know, um, I'm curious how this all could potentially play out in a, in a shortened. Change thing. Pitching. Does, does pitching benefit? Does hitters benefit? And I've heard conversation go both ways on that. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't know how that would probably play out. I would probably give the advantage to the hitters, but, um, you know, general randomness could play a big role in something like that. So, but I still think the Mariners were probably an easy line. Yeah, I don't know if they're 162 game schedule, 80 games, 40 games. I would still pick the Mariners to finish in last, but their system's a little bit better. But uh, I think they were an easy call. How did you have the AL Central? Because obviously that's the the big thing right now to talk about. Well, I had a horse race between the the Twins and the Tribe. Um, I went on the, on Twitter and said I projected them to win 92 games this year. I thought that they could win as many as 94, 95. Uh, I just think the Twins offense, definitely not their pitching, would, would help them beat teams like the White Sox, the Royals, and the Tigers, and these other soft teams like the Orioles and Mariners that uh, would give them a few wins along the way. But I think the Twins would just barely edge the trod uh, for the division. And then yeah, I, I have to... Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I have White Sox coming in third, and then the Royals and, and the Tigers finishing it up. You could probably go, well, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I was going to say you could probably go Royals or Tigers and either last or fourth, but I agree with you. The Tigers were probably by far worse than the uh, Royals right now, but that depends on what pitchers would or, or might get to the, the major leagues for the Tigers. I had the Twins and in first. Will well. the Tigers trade Fulmer or not? And I think they probably will at some point. Um, oh yeah, that's a good point. I think you know if you're going to rebuild and, and you're years away from it, you don't keep a, a chip like that that you can flip for some some now prospects. And I think it, at some point, and I was thinking midseason that they would flip him, and then the team would end up tanking the rest of the way, giving the Royals a slight advantage in in that uh, in that area. But I I don't think the Royals are a whole help and you know. I, I do yeah, think I White Sox will be the nemesis of the tribe. They were last season. They they won the season series with the tribe, and I think that's one thing that really held, held them back. Um, as I said, I think it would be a horse race, and I just have the Twins edging the tribe in the division right now. I think that's fair. I, I really didn't look at, like, how many games I thought each team was going to win, but obviously for the Twins and Indians, we think about that. So I I thought the Indians would win 93 games like they did a year ago. But I agree. I think the Twins are still going to be better just because of that offense. So I think I would have had them around 96 games as well. So that, you know, gives them the edge. But I still think the Indians are no worse off than they were a year ago, which is still pretty good. The White Sox, easily third place in that case. The Royals and Tigers. Although I will say this, in a shortened season, I don't know how many games, you know, we don't know how many games they're going to play. But if there's half a season, or if I think anything over 100 games, you start to weed out some of the weird random variants. But anything under 100 games, the White Sox, I think, could win the division because well, they're not going to rely on the pitching over over long term, which would be their issue. They have, I think they have enough offense. They still have a lot of young players, so that could be an issue too. But I, I think over a shortened season, 
their odds to somehow find first place in the central would would go up to kind of make your point it, if they only played the first half of the season last year then like Derek Dietrich wins the NL MVP uh well, yeah, yeah. he had he had like 20 home runs before the all-star break or something like that and then tanked the rest of the season and and I'm joking you know but it, it does change things tremendously when all of the teams are are only playing 80 games rather than 160 or whatever it ends up being. It could be 60 games. Who knows? I, I think we will possibly see a shortened season. I, I think they're determined to get out there and play some. Um, and I think they're definitely interested in neutral site games. If that means Arizona, if it means something like the tribe playing in, in I don't know, in Houston in November, um, you know, I, I think they're exploring every option and will try to play every single game if they can. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, hopefully there's a season. I think any games are better than no games, especially for the sport that needs it the worst. So we'll see. But I, I do, I do in short season worry about the white Sox much more than I would over a long season. So that's going to make things interesting. I had for the wild card, I have the Rays and the Indians in the wild card. All this time I have the Rays top and the, the Indians coming out in second, the wild card. So they do make the playoffs this year. I thought, they were going to be a little better. I thought the Astros without Garrett Cole and the distractions would make it would allow the Indians to catch the Astros. And I didn't think the White Sox, Angels, or Blue Jays were going to win more than 93, which is why I thought the Indians would win. Yeah, I'm with you. I had the Rays and the Tribe as the as the uh, wild card teams, and the Tribe being the least of the of the five teams making the playoffs from the AL. Um, and the Astros, I see them as a mid upper eighties type win club. Um, if all things were, were normal. Um, as I said, I think the tribe would have won 92 and I have the race somewhere 94, 95 in that type of range. So I think that they would have, um, got it, got a higher seed than the tribe there. Um, I think, I think the race would win any division besides the NL West. I think they can win every division in baseball besides the NL West. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think the Dodgers are prone to win 100 games this year if there was a 160-game season. Um, I, could have seen 100, I could have seen them winning 115 games if there was a full season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say 105, but I think 100 wins is easy for them uh, with that roster and the talent that they have and, and that they're developing in their system, too. So they, they are uh, a model organization, and, and so are the Rays, as you point out, that they would win any other division. I think that the issue is they're in the same division with the Yankees who are going to spend and, and go acquire talent. And it, it makes it tough for, for the team like the Rays, but the Rays was kind of my surprise team. And I'll get to that here in a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, we do our other predictions. The other thing too, we're talking about the White Sox, the Rays to me are not impacted by the shortened season. I think, if anything, a shortened season helps them even more and maybe could bring them closer to the Yankees. I think the Yankees' offense is better, but of course that depends on health. But the Rays have way more pitching depth. The Yankees, you know, obviously have Garrett Cole and Tanaka, and I and their bullpen's still good. But the Rays, you know, match up just as well. So I think a shortened season actually is going to help them. Um, they were built. I think they were built for a full season, but they're certainly built for. 80 games, 100 games, 20 games, whatever it is. I think that helps them even more. 
let's before we before we predict uh, who we say who we had to win the World Series. Why don't you give me your list of National League uh, award winners? My National League MVP, Ronald Acuna Jr., <laughs> the Cy Young Award winner. I'm going with a younger arm, uh, Vanderbilt product and Walker Bueller. I think he was going to take it for the Dodgers this year. And as I said, I thought the Dodgers would be the cream of the crop in the ENL. Um, I have them making the World Series this year. And then my Rookie of the Year was going to be uh, Dylan Carlson, the outfielder from the Cardinals. Part of the reason I have the Cardinals in first place in the NL Central. That and uh, I like some of the other talent that they've brought up over the last few years. Flaherty and then, of course, I like Tyler O'Neill too, who I think uh, brings a big bat to their outfield. Um, Did you but, do a manager of the year? Manager of the year? No, I didn't. Okay. Those are, I mean, the the, it's a junk but, award. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd probably give that um, oh, to Dave Roberts uh, for the Dodgers because they're going to win 100, over 100 games or they would have won over 100 games to me easily. So he'd have probably taken that award, but I, I could see it going somewhere else to maybe a, a team that uh, does well, but not quite as well as the Dodgers were built for. See, I, I think that, that that's why I think the manager of the year award is messed up. And everyone says this, that, you know, Dave Roberts has the best team, so they should win a hundred games, but you know, you always vote for someone you think wasn't going to have a great year. And then they end up having a great year and you're like, was he really the best manager or, you know, whatever. It, it's a, it's one of those things that are, it's designed to be a goofy way to pick things, but everyone still does it. So I don't understand, but I, I did write down manager of the year. And I did write down David Bell, the Reds, just because I had the Reds winning the division, which, you know, I'm voting along the same way I find ridiculous that a lot of people probably don't think the Reds could win the division or maybe it would be more of a surprise than the Dodgers. So, you know, managing them to a division title would make him, you know, quote unquote, the manager of the year versus the guy who won a hundred games. But uh, other than that, we, we were very similar. I have, I had Acuna as the, the MVP. I had Carlson as the rookie of the year, but I went with Luis Castillo of the Reds for Cy Young, just because I thought if they were going to win, he would need to be that good. But Walker yeah. Bueller is obviously a a really spot on pick. Yeah, I just think he'd be able to pad the stats with the Dodgers too. You know, I I could see him easily getting 20, 20 wins there with the talent around him on the team. You know, I was thinking he's probably going to get get this, and and not saying he doesn't deserve it, but uh, you know, I, I could just see him being helped by his team. Uh, in the sheer volume of wins I was anticipating with the Dodgers out there. As I said, I've picked the Dodgers to make the series. So, um, you know, I, I just think that that team's fairly loaded in their system as very deep in talent too. That's fair. What did you, what does your AL award ballot look like? Well, uh, of course, Mike Trout, I think they have that <laughs> name permanently engraved on there right now. Um, this may or may not come to a surprise to some people. I went with Mike Clevenger as the AL Cy, Cy Young winner. And then uh, is it Robert from the White Sox as the rookie of the year? Okay. Yeah, I think I think it, at some point here, we're going to have to just rename the MVP award the Mike Trout award, or we're going to have to give out an MVP to everybody with Mike Trout. Give him, you know, make him the MVP, but also have an award for non-Mike Trout MVPs because – he definitely is the best every year and he deserves it, but 
just so we can recognize people who are still having great years. They're just not Mike Trout. <laughs> I, if I, would I had to pick another player besides my, Mike Trout, let's say he uh, takes a fastball off the chin and ends up out for two months with a broken jaw. Um, then oh. I pick uh, Chapman from the athletics, you know, uh, I really like Chapman. That's the team I had winning the AL West. Uh, he is total package third baseman to me. I would love to see the tribe get a hold of him and, and, um, you know, add him to the roster, but that's just a pipe dream. Um, right. But I, I think he would be my AL uh, choice for the non-Mike Trout MVP award. I can't disagree. I think you can also go with Matt Olson, but uh, it's hard. It's hard to put together the defense and offense that goes along with picking an MVP sometimes, especially when you're compared to Mike Trout. You know, I know Miguel Cabrera, you know, won the triple crown, but think about that. Like he had to win a triple crown. Something hasn't been, hadn't been done in 60 years to edge Mike, Mike Trout. Even then it wasn't like, you, it wasn't really clean across the board. It was a pretty close vote. So if you're not playing a premium defensive position, which first base is not, it's hard to accumulate, you know, defensive stats over there that look as good as center field or shortstop or even third base. But uh, I like Matt Olson a lot too, but you're right. Matt Chapman is a, is a fantastic uh, runner up. And obviously I think Jose Ramirez is still in that conversation. I also went with Mike Clevenger for Cy Young. I think that's probably not shocking. Uh, my rookie of the year was Hazel Lazardo from the athletics because I had them winning the division as well, but I thought for them to win the division, he would have to pitch, you know, that good. So I thought that made sense. And then my manager of the year was Bob Melvin, who, you know, is the athletics manager. So all that just kind of lined up to me. Yeah. Um, if I had to pick one and I didn't, it'd either be Melvin because I really like the, the A's in the West or uh, Kevin Cash with the Rays because I think that they're just an excellent team. I, I could just see him maybe getting it, somebody like that. Um, you know, they, I, it's one of those awards I think should go to the best manager who is actually managing the team, not the guy with the highest paid role and the easiest job. Um, right. But that, that's my opinion. <laughs> No, I think that's um, spot on. Everyone thinks that way, which is right. So you had who? Who did you have in the World Series? You said you had Dodgers win the whole thing. I have the Dodgers win in the World Series, and as I said, I, I thought it would be the Dodgers' year this year, finally. And uh, always the <laughs> always the uh, bridegroom, but never the bride. Um, <laughs> and, and then, then the Rays finishing uh in second place to the dodgers this year that was my surprise team out of the al i just think i don't know that the pitching that they have i, I really like that team and i think that they have the talent and depth in their system to make a big ad at the trade deadline to make a For big sure. difference too um that's where i was thinking this is this is a team if they want to grab a hold of the opportunity they can go out there and use their farm system and literally get anyone they wanted, including Francisco Lindor, if he were to be put on the market. They have the talent to get absolutely anyone. And I think, you know, it, that is the only thing holding them back to me from them being in the World Series, um, in in my mind anyways. I mean, they're that caliber of a team that they, they, are, they can compete on that level um, with the Yankees, with the Dodgers, with these other clubs, with the Braves, who I think are, are getting up there now too. Uh, with their depth and their talent, the additions that they've had, they're starting Yeah, they're starting pitching, and then the addition of Marcellus, who I really like, is now. I completely agree with your assessment on the Rays. I don't have the Rays in the World Series, but I, I definitely agree with your assessment. And 
you're talking about their farm system being able to get someone like even a Lindor. And there are not many players, and this is never going to happen because the Indians won't do it. And, the and well, they probably, maybe they would. I don't know. The Rays won't do it for sure. But if there's one player out there and there's maybe what, maybe two or three at max, but it, if one of those players that you could, the Indians would accept a one-for-one trade for Francisco Lindor, it's Wander Franco. The Rays wouldn't do it, but you're absolutely right. I think Wander Franco could probably net them any player in baseball not named Mike Trout. I think you would have to do more to get something like that, but I, I just can't think. Can you think of any more players where you'd be like, yeah, I would not trade Wander Franco just for that player? <laughs> I, I would say, I would say yes, <laughs> even for Lindor. Of course, I would probably ask for a pitcher or something like that because I, I love pitching and I, I tend to gravitate toward pitching. But, uh, um, you know, looking at the race system, though, the, and the way that this team is built, they they aren't just deep. I mean, 10 players deep in their system. They they are 30 and 40 players deep. They're like the Indians, but they have they have upper tier talent, too, that's coming up. Um, that's that's going to be there soon. And having the number one prospect in all of baseball certainly doesn't hurt the farm system. Right. Now, so. Yeah, a ton of value there. And I. I think you're hundred percent right. Cause I know, I think I want to say Fangraphs already did their raise prospect uh, review. And I want to say it was deepest one. Cause I, I like how Fangraphs does their, their prospect list. They don't do an arbitrary, like, you know, 25 or 50 or whatever it is. They just set a list of players they think are worth writing about and they do it there. So some teams have 20 and some have 38. And I think the right, I think the raise had like close to 30 or 35 for sure. So I think you're, Spot on with that assessment. However, I have yeah. the Athletics beating them, and I have the Athletics versus the Dodgers in the World Series, and I have the Dodgers also winning this year as well. Gotcha. Well, we we've uh, agreed on quite a bit of stuff there, and um, you know, I so I I try not to look at a lot of predictions or anything like that, and just sit and think who do I like and why. What are the, the reasons? And, and as I said, I think the Rays are the team in the AL because they have the ammo to go and get anyone. I thought the Yankees would end up beating them as far as win total goes. But I, I just had that suspicion that the Rays have the depth and the quality of team that they can make one big addition or, or, or two you know, quality ads and, and just put them in, in uh, the – in line for a shot at the World Series this year. And, of course, it'd be a dogfight, but I think that they have the pitching and, and the ability to get there. That would be a fun World Series. I mean, obviously, we'd take any baseball right now, but um, I would love I'd love to see a Dodgers and Rays World Series, just a crossover of Andrew Freeman, you know, the former Rays exec, now the Dodgers exec, and there's their, how they operate their farm systems are very similar. See, the only thing is, I don't know. Like, yes, the Rays have a great system, but would they really dive into that? That pro- I, they're not trading Franco. Obviously, they're not trading Wander Franco, but they have a ton of their uh, people they can trade. I just wonder if they would because they are so reliant on. I think if the cheap- right yeah. if the right player came along, um, let's say Jose Ramirez, for example, and, and I haven't scanned over the the Rays roster, but I'm just using Jose Ramirez because of his contract. He fits them as far as contract and the uh, ability to make a big addition, you know, to the, to the lineup, as you said, you know, he's an MVP type uh, caliber talent too. And I think he's top five. If, if there's a season this year, 
Um, I think he's up there right next to Lindor. Lindor gets the notoriety, but um, Jose is just up there for me too. He's he's going to be four or five if there if there is a season or if there was a full season. I guess I should say. But you know, if they could make an addition like that, a guy who doesn't cost a lot of money, but it would cost them quite a bit in terms of prospects, I think that they would be willing to do it because they'd be he'd be cost controlled over several years. So I think it would take the right deal, but I think that they would too. And that's where the separation lies too, is the Dodgers also have a farm system. That's just as good and they have the money. So they don't have to worry about only taking on a Jose Ramirez size contract. They can take anybody on if they want to give up the prospects, which they've not shown you the inclination to do so, but they have just as much in their treasure chest plus the bank account. So that is Kind of a separator, they, they, isn't it? The, the Dodgers have really fought to keep it, keep their payroll uh, above or below the uh, tax line, so they don't get penalized. Um, but as you said, I think they they could make any deal, and and if they wanted to, they could do a salary dump and just, hey, we'll add this guy, we'll add Josiah Gray with him, and, and you know, here's here's this guy who's making ten million dollars this year. We need to get out from underneath this contract so we can make this addition. You know, they are a team that can afford to operate that way. Uh, they have the money. They have they have the talent too that they could spare if if and in, in the right deal. Yeah, I, I I like I said, I'll take any World Series. That would be would be the one I would love to watch maybe the most. Although I would love to see another um, A's and Dodgers World Series like I had. Just you know, no earthquakes this time. <laughs> I can I can definitely see that. I really do like the A's coming out of the West. Um, Chapman is one of my favorite players. I'd love to add him to the Indians. Just slide Jose over to second. I'd be a happy man. Um, but what I, I, do is I think I think I was most excited to watch the Athletics this year in the Rays. I still am, but I think those are the two teams far and away that I was the most excited to watch of any two teams in baseball this year, including the Indians. I just think the Athletics don't get the talk that they deserve. Probably because they're on the West Coast and they're in, they're in uh, Oakland. You know, they're not uh, a big city or a big market team like the Yankees or the Dodgers. But I, I think that they were kind of a sleeping giant in the NL West. So. All right, so that's it for predictions. Uh, anything else you want to add? Otherwise, we can just kind of wrap things up and uh, tell people where, what to look for content wise. No, um, I, I'm hopeful there will be some sort of season. I think that they will eventually try to get something off the ground at some point. And it sounds like they're determined to. And as I said earlier, uh, I think there's potential for the tribe to play in neutral site games. Um, so as tribe fans, I, I would love to see them in Cleveland, but if they're having games in, in Cleveland, and there's no fans. What do you think the fans are going to do? Probably gather around the stadium, go to the bars and stuff around the stadium just for the vibe of it. Um, oh, yeah. Shoot. I didn't think of that. And, and you're going to draw crowds that way. And, and, you know, maybe that's why it's probably better off for them to potentially play in Arizona. And I don't want to really get back there on that. Um, right. But if teams are playing in their home stadiums, fans are going to want to come and watch. Uh, so I can see why, the, right. why they're thinking. Um use Arizona and use the smaller scale uh, stadiums. It's easier to contain and just limit it. Um, but uh, 
you know, I'm I'm hopeful there'll be a season. And as I said, I think the Dodgers are the team to beat in the National League. And I think the Rays would would have been my or will be my surprise team in the AL this year. And uh, I look for the Tribe to be in a dogfight in the Central. Uh, no matter what happens, if it's a short season, if they find a way to get a lengthy season, then I think it's going to be a dogfight between the Tribe and the Twins for first place in that division. And, and the White Sox, the shorter the season, the the more I think it's in favor of the White Sox. Yeah, I would definitely agree. The Indians are – I mean, random variance plays a huge role, so that does help everybody a little bit. But I would agree a shorter season probably mitigates – pitching issues for the twins because hitting is going to have a little bit more time to stabilize and play out in a bigger way than the Indians pitching. Same with the white Sox. So in some ways they're, they're at a disadvantage too, but you know what, at this point, I think we'll take any baseball. I hope that's what everyone is thinking. Absolutely. Um, I'm thankful for, for just the thought of there being baseball this year. Um, That's just a great idea. It gives us hope and gives a reason for optimism. And finger, fingers crossed and some positive thoughts and some prayers, then hopefully it does happen. Yeah, keep the faith for sure. So as we start with the podcast, you know, again, go check out the new site, UnionsBaseballInsider.com. We're off 24-7 sports. We're on independent site again. Uh, check out our new daily feature, the Indians minor league, his, this day in minor league history. Uh, today I found a box score from April 9th of 2007 where Adam Miller pitched for the Buffalo Bison against the now defunct Ottawa Lynx, who were a Phillies affiliate at the time. They also had their season delayed by snow that year, like the Indians did. So April 9th was their season opener. Uh, that's up on the website. Now we're going to try to do that every day, as long as we could find some kind of information on that day, whether it's from, you know, whatever year, anything before like 2000 or 2001, is kind of hard to find. I've noticed so far doing research. Um, I'm going to have Arthur Kinney, who did a lot of around the farm work for us, help me out with that. So we'll get more people involved. So we're going to try to make that a daily feature as best we can. We're going to do some other stuff. Uh, you know, there's talk about just looking back at some of the prospects. Where are they now? And, um, you know, reviewing some other seasons of good teams on the Indians, too. So we have a lot more content coming. Uh, so Diamonds of the Rough will be coming up soon. As I said, archive content and draft stuff will have coming up. That's all premium content. Go to IndiansBaseballInsider.com. Check out a subscription. It's cheaper than it was on 24-7 Sports. Uh, we know you know everyone's watching the money right now, so I can totally relate. But um, we are going to have premium content. If you have the ability and you want to read you know, more about Indians prospects during this time while there's not, not much going on, then IBI is the place to do that. We're going to add archives from the old site, and then we're going to add more premium content you know, here in the, in the coming weeks. So definitely check that out. Uh, Willie, I know specifically related to the draft, you're going to be doing a lot of draft work. And you also have a little bit of a guest project coming up related to the draft, right? Yes, I was invited by Ralph Lip- Lifshitz, uh, also known as Pro- Prospect Jesus over at Prospects Live. So uh, I will be uh, doing a mock draft with them, and it's going to run three rounds on April the 7th. It starts at 7 p.m. I do know that they're going to they're gonna do a, a uh, YouTube video of it where they um, – where they break down every pick and they're going to talk about that and that that will be live streaming my understanding and then april the 17th at seven is a tentative date but that's the date we have set as of now and i haven't heard any um potential for change but they've invited a a writer or even a group of writers from each of the uh of the teams that cover minor league baseball of course we write about the indians and 
and they reached out to me and asked if I could represent the tribe. And I think uh, maybe Justin and I will put our heads together on some of these picks uh, next week, it sounds like. And uh, maybe we can get this mock done and then do a little bit of, uh, do a few pieces on some of the, uh, of the uh, guys that end up getting picked for the tribe in the mock, uh, kind of prepping us for what's to come in either June or July. Yeah, so be on the lookout for that. Guys over there do a really good job, and you'll do a good job for them. You know way more about the draft than I do, so uh, I have no doubts that you'll you'll pick a good good first-round pick for the Indians, no matter who's on the board, and it'll be interesting content. So we will be sure to link to that from IBI, from Twitter, and everywhere. So be on. Yes, I know you had a lot of lot of draft content planned, so that's going to be coming too, which will also be uh, part of the premium subscription. So you're definitely going to want to keep an eye out for that and be a part of that if you can. Uh, make sure you listen to last podcast. Uh, last week we talked to Tim Shire of the Lake County Sentinel. We reviewed the Captain's 2020 Midwest League Championship. Uh, there were a lot of prospects on there you may have not known about. Some you did. Uh, some you forgot about, and there were some interesting kind of behind the scenes stories I thought too of that team. So you're going to want to check that out. Um, we're going to have some other different podcasts as well in the future. So be on the lookout, all kinds of good stuff. Even though there's no season, we have a lot planned, which I'm, I'm really grateful for everybody who is willing to contribute and, and is coming up with ideas and that we have the ability to do this. Tony story has spent a lot of time um, putting the site back together independently. So Things are looking good. So we hope you're all part of it. Anything else you want to add, Willie? No, I, I'm just excited about the notion of there possibly being baseball. I think they're trying to turn over every rock. And, and that gives me hope that, you know, maybe we still, will see some ball played this year. And I just hope that everyone stays safe, safe and uh, strong and healthy. Agreed. Yeah. Stay safe. Watch after your family, your friends, your neighbors from a distance, obviously. Uh, as long as you can and uh, stay home and, and keep listening. Thanks for tuning in.